Um, have you ever given Marge a cucumber? No. Have you seen cats and cucumbers? Oh, the cat, yeah, where you like, where they're eating and you put the cucumber behind them and then they jump. Yes. Okay, Jordan showed me this and I thought this is going to be some dumb internet thing. I don't need, I don't want to waste my time with it. And he's like, no, Annie, please watch it. <laughs> and I watched this video, which I do have to show you if you hadn't seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen it. Uh, and the whole time I kept thinking, Marge. <laughs> I want Marge to do this, please. I don't want to scare my, my precious baby bear. I just want you to do it once and video it. And we can put it on the internet. I just want to do it so bad. I want I to wanna, see her jump. I want to do like a whole Marge blog. I mean, obviously I do. Of course. But I think she could be an internet famous cat because no cat looks like Marge. She's so pretty. And I thought, what better than to see that beautiful cat jump 10 feet in the air over a cucumber? Why do you think they're scared of cucumbers? I read somewhere that they like have this evolutionary instinct that like they think it's a snake. That's what and, Jordan and wondered. And they think they're in danger. Yeah. But also that seems so specific. Well, and... And also like, where has my cat ever seen a snake before? So, okay, let's do an experiment. I'll come over to your house. Okay. And we'll do a cucumber. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have a zucchini in my refrigerator right now. Would that be the same? Yes. Okay. Okay. And then, like the next day, I'll come back to your house and we'll do a toy snake. And we'll see if the response is the okay. same. Okay. But we need, see, to do this scientifically, we would need three marges. Right. So we have to clone her, like, in space and time. So that we can have a control that doesn't react. Yes. One that reacts to the cucumber the first time, then the snake. One that reacts to the snake the first time, then the cucumber. I feel These like... These are variables. I did elementary school science I was about to say, this sounds like Annie's... Look, I went to state science fair. Bring it on. I'm ready. We have to do this. I'll get working on my time machine. Welcome to episode 129 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and nothing is anonymous. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Guys, guys, I mean mostly Annie, but guys, listeners, we did it. We reached 150. We got to 157. We did. We, we met our goal, nay, surpassed it. Nay, <laughs> surpassed it. <laughs> Um, yeah, we have a winner for our 150th, um, review. Um, which we're so excited about. We're going to read it, but it comes from iTunes user Presley B. If that's you, please contact me at inventory at bookshelfthomasville.com so we can get your prize in the mail. But this review says, I'll read it because I don't feel like any of you want to read it about yourself. I don't. Okay. Um, Annie is my book spirit animal. If she likes it, I like it. If she doesn't, I don't. How does she know? <laughs> and I love her banter with Chris. Aww. His recs are making me want to read graphic novels. You should. A perfect podcast if you're a Southern Kathleen Kelly wannabe who always needs another book recommendation. That was really nice. It was super nice. Um, so many of your reviews are just so, so nice. And we really, really thank you for all of them. Yes. Thank you for helping us reach our goal and... If you feel so inclined, keep posting your reviews. They really do help us get a little farther in the iTunes world. Yep. Um, and any recognition we get not only helps and is fun for me and Chris, but it also helps our small business. So yep. thank you, thank you. Uh, we are at the point where if you search front porch in iTunes, we are the first one that comes up. And yeah. not 
those other ones. <laughs> I feel like there was one that was like... Um, Tales from the Front Porch? Yeah, wasn't that um, Sermons? I, thought, I don't even know. I've I think I clicked on it once and it was Sermons, so I think we've surpassed the Sermon podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Our evil plan. Uh, so... We are now sharing with you another way that you can support the bookshelf and from the front porch. And I mentioned it on last week's episode, but we have kicked off shelf subscriptions where this is basically our book of the month club. Right. And we have kind of revamped it to include choices and selections of new titles each month by bookshelf staffers. Mm -hmm. So every month, Chris, you will have your selections. I will have my selections. So each of us picks our favorite newly released title each month. And subscribers can either subscribe to Chris's plan or Annie's plan or Ashley's plan, or you can do a surprise me. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We have 21 subscribers already. And it was only announced last week. Yeah. So pretty cool. The thing that I think is so cool about this is that it's a secret. Yeah. You don't know what the book is going to be right. until you open it. And, and don't let that stress very, you out. No, that's that should be really fun because yeah. we have picked some really good stuff. Yeah. And I think all of us are excited about this program. We get to share with you some things that we got to read early, mm-hmm. at least in part sometimes. Sometimes we haven't gotten to the yeah. whole thing yet, but we've at least experienced these and want to share them with you um, kind of before anyone else. Yeah. So we're pretty excited. The first subscriptions will go out in September. Mm-hmm. You can sign up for one, three, six, or 12-month subscriptions, and you can choose your favorite staffer or the one whose books most often align with you. So on our website, you'll see descriptions of kind of what to expect from each of mm-hmm. us. So it's, you're not totally flying blind, um, but you also we're also kind of keeping it a surprise because we think that's more fun. So you have until September 1st to sign up for the first... For the for September. For the launch. And yep. then if you sign up after September 1st, that's still great. Your subscription will just kick off in October. In October, yep. Um, so you can go to bookshelfthomasil.com forward slash subscriptions to find out more. And Chris will put a link in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, and each box every month will include the book, yep. a bookmark, yes. a sticker, yes. and a handwritten note from the person whose box you selected. Yes. Very cool. We're pretty excited. I just got the prototypes, is that the right word, yeah. of the bookmarks and stuff. I'm peeing my pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's very exciting. I'm so excited. Um, I, I know, like, it's weird. The most exciting parts of the bookshelf to me, weirdly, are like the stuff... I design, I guess, and see come to fruition. Mm -hmm. So I got the bookmark sample this week and just, I may or may not have cried in the parking lot. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Uh, So we're really excited and we hope you are too. All of which is to say we have a bunch of changes on the horizon, all of which are taking place September 1st. Yes. And it's going to be just a, a big metamorphosis soft soft reboot for yeah, the bookshelf for the bookshelf and from the front porch i'm super excited we have had a long summer and kind of some transitions our manager magalie is having her baby we her hope due date is tomorrow this weekend so. um so we're super excited but it's also been kind of sad and and just we've hired some new folks and um so we've had some transition and so i thought let's make september 1st kind of a launch date for some not necessarily new things, although some new things, but also just some, yeah, some revamped things. And I'm really excited. It's kind of like a new year. Con- continuity is the same, but we're starting again at issue number one. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> it's going to be great. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. What are we going to talk about? Rereading. Rereading. Yes. Uh, this came from a listener suggestion mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Um, 
How do we reread? Do we reread? Why do we reread? I feel like the more we say reread, we're going to say wee wee. Okay. Well, I wasn't worried about that. <laughs> but I just feel like it, it's just, it's like making a child try to pronounce her R's correctly. Oh, okay. And the little piggy went re 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 read all the way. <laughs> We're going to say reread. We, we might say read again. We should have had a reread drinking game. No. <laughs> this could have gotten real fun. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> um, do you reread? I used to reread. Mm -hmm. I I reread for two reasons. Um, I reread for comfort. Mm -hmm. And actually, you reread for two reasons, and I'm copying you. Uh, <laughs> and then I read I reread sections of things. Mm -hmm. So you and I both talked before. I have no qualms with uh, marking in my books, with yeah. writing in my books. Um, the other day, I didn't have a pencil, so I think I've talked before. Like, I'll rip little pages um, just so I, I can know where that line was that I really loved. I will find myself going back to books and reading those portions, um, rereading those portions. I think because of my job, I don't reread a lot. Right. There's a lot of pressure, not even from other people, although, yeah, sometimes from other people, to be reading what's new and popular. Right. I don't even read a ton of backlist. Right. Um, so rereading things I've already read is especially mm -hmm. last in my mind. And this is, like, I, I think about this all the time with how we collect books, and we've had a whole episode about that. Mm -hmm. What's the point of owning a book if you're not going to read it again? Right. Is a, a thought that I have a lot, and so I I reread a lot to justify the fact that I own books. Do you get rid of the books you don't reread? Um, sometimes, if I get into a particularly spring-cleaning kind of mood. Okay. Like, last week I brought... 20 ARCs back to the bookshelf that I knew I was not going to... That's why the bin was so full. ...read or finish, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like when I do go through like and do a clean-out of my bookshelves, I do think to myself, will I ever reread this? Right. So that's certainly a question I ask. Um, but I know you are certainly more of a rereader than I am. Does grad school hinder that? Did grad school hinder that? Um, it depends on the text. Like this weekend... Um, I, where I actually started working um, in earnest on my dissertation, I was rereading a bunch of stuff that I had read for my prelims because, like... Oh, well, that's true. Right. Yeah. Like, academically, I have to reread because right. you can't just, like, write a book about a book if you've only read the book one time. Right, Like, you fair. have to very carefully go through it and find something. So I was reading Geoffrey of Monmouth's History of the Kings of Britain and just reading the King Arthur passage again mm -hmm. um, and taking more and more notes. Um, so I do that kind of rereading. Um, academic rereading for sure, but I really like comfort rereading and haven't done that as much mm -hmm. in grad school, no. Yeah, I think, so, and I may have talked about this before, so one book, actually, there are several books that I have reread for comfort a couple of times, and they're all, I noticed while writing them down, they're all technically children's books. Yeah. They're books that I read, I think, as an early high school student. So, like, I maybe came to them a little late. So, um, well, Little Women I read for the first time in the third grade. Mm -hmm. But I have reread that book. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how many times. And that is a comfort book for me. Uh, interestingly, another book that I feel like not enough people have read, but also by Louise May Alcott, is An Old Fashioned Girl. Mm -hmm. I love that book so much. And I, I would be interested to know if 
31-year-old Annie, I wonder what I would think about that old-fashioned sense. Like, I wonder, there are some things where I look back and I think, oh, I could see feministy parts of Annie mm -hmm. when she was 12 and when mm -hmm. she was 16 and when she was 18. Like, I think I'm pretty much the same person. But I also wonder, some of these books are super old-fashioned, right. in quotes. Like, right. um, they're moral tales. And I wonder, would they hold the same weight now? They mm. certainly did when I was in. I would reread An Old Fashioned Girl around every Christmas. Um, when I came home from college, I would reread it. But I wonder, would I still like it now? So I'm kind of, so I kind of want to reread it now, just for that reason. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious. I want to challenge you to do that. Yeah, like I kind of want to. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a lot of the books that I reread for comfort are Little Women, um, Rose in Bloom is one, Eight Cousins, um, Anne of Green Gables, those kind of classic mm -hmm. children's literature. Um, I've reread Harry Potter a bunch of times. I think a lot of people. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I think that's a series. And Narnia. Okay. I've read both of those lots of times. I think for a lot of us who grew up on the books that we grew up with, mm -hmm. I think maybe are the books. Are those the books that you reread for comfort? Yeah, books you grew often, up with? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I used to try to reread Harry Potter every summer, mm -hmm. and I would sit and I would dedicate seven days to do all seven books, and Aww. it was such a great, fun thing. Um, that I did I know a, you're a bunch of times and now I don't have the week to set aside Yeah, where I'm like barely eating, barely sleeping and I'm just reading. Right. Um, and it's Aww, so fun. That was fun. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> one summer, I think after my freshman year of college, I like finished, um, Deathly Hallows and it was one or two in the morning and I was like, but I want to keep reading. And I started Lord of the Rings, um, just immediately because Aww. sometimes when you are on a roll and Momentum. you just want to keep reading, you yeah. want to, you want to keep going. And I think rereading can often be good for that, mm -hmm. um, like when you're in a rut. That's, I think that's an absolutely, that's absolutely true. Because I think part of the reason I reread while I was in college, we've talked before, mm -hmm. we both were in this great books program, I did not read for fun. Right. So then when I went home for Christmas or something like that, I did want to read something. Right. But I certainly didn't want to read the school books I had just finished, but I also didn't want to read anything new. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it got me out of, yeah, a reading rut to just be able to read something that was like visiting an old friend. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so intrigued because with the bookshelf, I feel like I rewatch things more than I reread things. Right. Just an hour ago, you said something about like, oh, somebody was making, somebody I know is making paper airplanes recently. Oh, nope. That was the office. <laughs> They're my friends. <laughs> um, yeah, we just rewatched The Office, and mm -hmm. that is comforting to me. Like, I, this is maybe, I don't think this is TMI, but, like, we just watched the series finale of The mm -hmm. Office because we just watched the last two seasons, which are so hit or miss. Yeah, like they're mostly really, miss with a couple miss. gems. Yeah. yeah, they're not great, but I had not rewatched those as much, but we just rewatched the series finale. And I sobbed. It's such a good payoff. Oh, it's such a good payoff. And I sobbed. And Jordan was like, understanding, but also like, I was legitimately like a little bit of a mess. Yeah. And he, but it wasn't just revisiting those people. It was remembering where I was when I watched them mm. the first time. And there's this line that Andy Bernard says that like, why don't you know the good old days when you're in them? And I just, <laughs> just a wreck. But that's how I feel about books, too. When I do choose to sit down and reread, it's not just that I'm remembering those characters and those plot lines 
it's also, I'm remembering who I was when I read them mm-hmm. the first time. And I do love that feeling. It's like, I mean, it, it's a line in Pocahontas. You can't step in the same river twice. But it comes, I'm pretty sure, from, from Heraclitus, <laughs> the pre-Socratic philosopher. But the idea is not just that the river has changed, but that you have also changed. Yes. Um, which is so good. It I is love so that good. idea. And I do feel that way about books. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take five years between readings of a book, it's going to be a different book for you. I mean, we've talked about this a lot with like books that are commonly assigned in high school. Mm-hmm. I think everybody needs to read The Great Gatsby. Everybody needs to read Catcher in the Rye. Everybody needs to read Brave New World as adults. That's true. Because you don't appreciate them as a 16-year-old when they're assigned to you. Yeah. Although I think it's important. I totally think it's important to do both. Like something yeah, like Catcher no, in the sure. Rye, I feel like when is that more meaningful yeah. than when you're in the throes of adolescence. Right. But then when you're an adult, getting to see him through new eyes. Mm-hmm. So I think reading, so actually rereading something like Catcher in the Rye is crucial to yeah. me. I think it's super important. Um, and I think a lot of people have negative opinions of those books because they've only experienced them as a teenager. Or alternatively, only experienced them as an sure. adult. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like I've heard that before where somebody like disses Catcher in the Rye and it's like, okay, but did you read it as a teenager? Like when you were actually feeling right. some of that angst. I mean, and I read it at 20, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's angsty enough. Yeah, that's angsty. Um, but it was, I didn't get it. And I've talked about this on the show before, but like it took me two days and then I had this epiphany. It was like, oh, this is the greatest book ever written. Right. I understand the whole point of it now. And like, I'm a monster just like Holden. Yes. Um, like I am so broken inside like Holden. It's <laughs> not his fault. It's not your fault, Holden. Do uh, you think- a lot like that. Okay, do you think classic books hold themselves up to rereading more? Because I'm thinking of, you know, it's not necessarily a childhood book, but To Kill a Mockingbird, I've obviously read more than once. I I say obviously, but I've just read that one more than once. But I'm not as inclined to, like, read Girl on the Train again. Right. And I I think there's something to that. The classic books, there are a lot of socioeconomic reasons um, for canonical books becoming canon, not all of which are artistic merit, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes books just, it's an accident of history or a political push to get a book to become that kind of, that popular. Um, So yes and no, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes for sure. But there are recent books that I have reread, like Station Eleven, I reread to teach last year and it was so worth the reread. Yeah. So worth the reread to like see it knowing what all the connections are Mm -hmm. from the beginning gives you a different appreciation for how the book's constructed. That's a good point. Um, So I don't think it's just the classics hold up better, but I think that, like, good books hold up no matter what. You, I feel like you and I come at this from very different angles because the more you're talking, the more I realize your job really requires rereading. Yes. And my job really hinders rereading. And makes me kind of jealous of your job. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm jealous of your job because I don't get to read new things a whole lot. Right. Um, so I don't get new stuff. I just know the old stuff really well. Yeah. And that, um, I feel like I, that's... I, I love, and that's why I do what I do. Well, and, it, and it's why you're good even in the bookshelf. Like, you're a good asset here because of that. You're an asset here because of that. But, um, yeah, I, I would be curious to know how people who don't have bookish jobs... Right. Do they reread? And and, and, and what for, do they reread and why? Right, and for what reason, yeah. Um, because, like, I... In addition to Harry Potter, I used to reread Paradise Lost annually, which, like... 
That was hilarious to me. You're right. That's and a like, funny, that's an interesting rereading choice. It is, and part of it's because it's difficult, right? Yeah. Like, the language is hard, and I'm just trying to understand it. Because when I read it the first time in my sophomore year of college, it was like, I know there are parts of this that I like and that I find beautiful, but I can't figure out why because I don't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I annotated the crap out of my book and put, like, like, like a dramatic... What's it called? Like when the person's name is in front of their dialogue. Okay. So every time a per- new person spoke, I put it in you... quotes and put that their name in front of it so I could understand yeah. the narrative. Yeah. Um, and it helped me so much. Yeah. Um, and I have that copy still, and it's the one that I go back to, even though that I even though I have scholarly editions of it, like my Barnes and Noble classics, um, that has all of my like dialogue notes, and it is the one that I go to because I can read it clearly. Um, so part of Part of rereading for me is is trying to understand difficult things. Mm-hmm. I also used to read Hannah Arendt's The Human Condition, which is a notoriously super difficult book that I love, but I only understand the parts of it that I do because I read it three times. Do you think great books trained you for that? I think it absolutely did. Because I was just thinking, so the books, I, I wrote down some of the books that I go back to, you termed it well, like that you go back for, what did you say, for difficult, like t- for understanding. Yeah. So you read for comfort, reread for comfort and reread for understanding. Um, the books that I have reread for understanding, I mostly don't read the whole book again, mm-hmm. but I will go back and like I said, reread those passages that I've underlined or that I've marked. I think of this was not a great books book, but I read it um, probably, probably three or five years ago. And my brother and I read it at the same time. It's called the supper of the lamb. Mm-hmm. I've told you about it yeah. because you would love it. Um, but it's by Robert Farrar. Capone, I think that's how you pronounce his name, um, and he was a priest. Mm-hmm. And this book is about um, it's about food, but it's about so much more than right. food. And I remember reading it for the first time, thinking, "Oh, this should be in great books." Like I, I don't know if you ever feel that way, but sometimes oh, yeah, I read and I'm like, "Oh, somebody should teach this in a great books class." But now I'll go back and pick it up, not to reread the whole thing, but to reread a chapter mm-hmm. or to reread a couple of lines because some of the lines in there are really difficult, but they're also really comforting and really fascinating. He talks about, I think I've said this line before on the podcast, but um, I think it's this phrase of when you chop a carrot, chop a carrot, but basically like mm-hmm. focus mm-hmm. on your task. Do like, what you're doing. Yes. Do what you're doing. Be in that moment. Um and I wouldn't remember that line, I don't think, if I'd only read it once. But when you reread, you have the ability, this is going to take me back, but I went to a Christian elementary school, mm-hmm. and to this day, the verses, the scriptures that I have memorized are from elementary school. The ones that they make you memorize. The ones that they make you repeat to yourself uh-huh. over and over again. So, similarly, with reading, I can tell you plot lines and points and lines only really from the books that I've reread. Exactly. And I wasn't sure I wanted to bring it there, but I think that is kind of the purpose of Bible studies in Mm -hmm. Christian circles of like you read and reread and reread so that you know what it says because that book has a particular importance in that tradition. And, you know, my personal tradition, all, not all books, but many books have that kind of importance. Yeah. And I want to reread them and study them. Well, and you so want to be them. able, I was about to say, you want to be able to recount them in conversations. Right. Like, I feel like the most interesting conversationalists, the best people that I interact with at dinner, part of the reason I love them is because they're able to quote from books or quote from movies. Right. It right. doesn't even right. have to be books, but like people that clearly have a wealth of knowledge and understanding 
from other sources mm-hmm. other than themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to go to a dinner party with somebody who's just talking about themselves. Right. But somebody who's talking about something they read or something they watched, like, that I'm interested in. And you mentioned Station Eleven. I've not reread that whole book. But there's the chapter where she talks about what they miss. Yes. It's like the second mm-hmm. chapter, I think. And that is the chapter that hooked me on that book. And that passage I have reread many times because I think gorgeous. it's so beautiful. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I want to be able to recount things like that to my customers, to people I'm interacting with. I want to be able to talk about this book that I read right. without having to go grab the book off the shelf. Right. You know what I mean? And just like, oh, well, I remember this passage. I remember something about it. But right. I don't know what it is. And I really, I think there are people who can read something once and have like a much better memory and understanding of it than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't retain books super Mm -hmm. well if I've only read them once. I'll get basic plot and maybe a couple characters' names if you ask me about it six months later. But uh, typically it's just kind of in there and because I'm not thinking about it, I don't recall it. Um, But there are other things that I've reread and that I've like studied a lot or that even if I haven't reread the actual book, I have gone and looked at passages um, things that are meaningful to me and that I think are beautiful and that stand out. Um, I had a professor in college who always said, um, finding out what happens is the least part of reading, uh, um, which I just really love. And yeah. I try to drill into my students because I feel like there's such a culture of like spoiler phobia. Yeah. Um, and like, Oh, I don't know what, I don't want to know what happens because I want to read it myself. And like, I get that. I do. Um, but especially for like literature, like we're talking like books, good books, finding out what happens is, is the smallest part of that. Yeah. Um, it's not about whether or not young Werther is going to kill himself at the end. Like you should know that going in, that yeah. book's 200 years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> more than that. Um, it's about how he gets there. Well, that's a really good point just in general. Cause I think. I will catch myself on reading recaps. I'll say something like if a book was a page turner, mm-hmm. I think I'll catch like I think I have said before, oh, I just c- couldn't wait to find out what happens. Right. And I think that's fine. Like oh, that's a yeah. that's fine. It's fine to read that way. But when I think about a book like Fates and Furies, right. what happens, honestly, not super not the important. Point. Right. Um and sometimes I think not only um not only is that the plot maybe not the point. But maybe the point is, how did the book make you feel? Yeah. yeah. And, and and what what did you think upon first or second reading? Um, and gosh. that's what I think is so important yeah. about books. And I think there is value in a page turner. Yes, um, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think there are books that are meant for that, mm-hmm. like A Girl on the Train. Mm-hmm. Even A Gone Girl, I think, although I think that could stand up to rereading. I think so, too. Um, for different reasons. I haven't, but um, I think that would be a fun one to reread. For intricacy. I've seen the movie a few times. Yeah. I've rewatched that, I think, three times. Yeah. And it holds up. Yeah. It stands up because it's not really just about this twist. Right. But, like, seeing how it's constructed and yes, all of it and, and what gives that twist such a payoff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I I think I'm going to reread An Old Fashioned Girl. Do it. I'll report back. Please do. Yeah. I'm going to keep rereading King Arthur stuff <laughs> so that I can write a book about it. That's fair. Good. You, you have things to do. I do. You have important things to do. Ooh. Um, I want to know, for especially for folks who are not in the liter- throes of the literary world, I guess. Right. I'm just if really curious. If you don't curious. work in books. Yeah. Do you reread? What do you reread and why? And if you are in the literary world, 
whether you're an Ann Bogle type figure or a book rep, mm -hmm. I would really be curious how you handle rereading because I don't know when you find the time. I, for reps especially, I wonder how and if they find the time to read books from other publishers. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so that's something I, I wonder. If you're a rep, please email me. Let me know. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know about rereading habits if you're out of the book world and then if you're in the book world, because as somebody in the book world, I really struggle with this. Yeah. And, I, and I want to do it. I want to be able to reread, but I don't know when I'm supposed to do that. Yeah. I think there's a tremendous value in it, but I recognize that not everybody has the time or inclination. Right. But if you've never reread something, I encourage try you to try. <laughs> um, for, with something of substance. Yeah. Probably. Although sometimes rereading re page turners after a while, it can be fun too. Yeah. I've done that. Or at least maybe start with Harry. Start with Harry. Harry really is a great reread. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've most never people regretted that. have read those. If you've read Harry Potter once, you've probably you've read probably it three read times. You've probably read twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. I All think right. I've read it five times. I think I've read the whole series five times. That's impressive. Oh, it's so good. It's That's so, really impressive. so good. Um, if you have answers to any of those questions or more questions for us, please email me at inventory at bookshelfthomasville.com. You can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on our store website. That's bookshelfthomasville.com. And if you want to check out what's going on behind the scenes of the bookshelf, including how you can maybe sign up for a shelf subscription, follow us on social media, at bookshelftville on Instagram and on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, and of course our store website has all the information on pretty much everything. Anything you could possibly need. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we will see you next week.